Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barn. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. You guys want to write us in. I love it. Look, I got a lot of responses this week. I want to keep going with that. It is Facebook. It's Twitter. It's all the social media. It is SportsGarden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N. Oh, we got a lot to go over today. We're going to do a little bit of college basketball to lead us off. And then, obviously, here we go. We're past the halfway point in the NFL. We are past that point in the season. And we had guys dropping like flies last week. One of the most weird weeks that you will ever have in the NFL. Lots of underdogs. The books did really well. Random guys scoring all over the place. It was a weird, crazy week. Let's see if that continues for into this week, right? So we're going to start it off here before we get into the NFL, and we will do everything NFL style very soon. But college basketball kicks off this week, right? And it kicked off, uh, depending on when you're listening, a day or two ago, whatever it might be. The college basketball season, I am absolutely pumped up for. I am on cloud nine waiting for this college basketball season because uh, let me just say that it's one of the few times where you have a slew of teams that can actually win the championship. You know, I've said a lot in my radio career that the biggest fallacy in sports is that the field of 64, March Madness, anyone can win. It, it, it's a joke. It's garbage. We know that that's not true at all. We know that through the history of March Madness, you know, there, there's never been a 10 seed winning. There's never been a 9 seed winning, right? I mean, when you're filling out your brackets, you understand the percentages are there, right? You're going to put you're going to put in one and two seeds. If, if a three seed gets in, they're going to be hyped up like nobody's business. Three, four, five seeds. But that's down the road. To begin the year off, usually there's about 10 to 15 teams that can win the championship. Usually, right? In college football, there's only about, what, six or seven. But in college basketball, you got about 10 or 15 that have a legitimate shot to win the national championship. This year, I think there's 20 to 25 plus. It could be more. I mean, it, you just break down. Let, let's We will get into the big five conferences, right? So I'm going to get into those in a moment. But let's just break down in you know, full reality outside of the big five who you have. Outside of the big five, we have Gonzaga, obviously, uh, the number one team. You look at uh, the percentages. that There's not even a payoff, right? I mean, there's not even a – you can't even take this team uh, – <laughs> To win the national championship, right? Because you're not going to get any, uh, uh, I mean, you're just not going to get any value back. They have probably the best player in Drew Timmy, uh, who, again, is leading the charge for best player in the country, especially in ticket count. And people are not getting shied off of that. The payoff isn't a lot because how can you not go with this guy is kind of people's thought process. So he's only, I've seen him as high as five to one, four to one, you know, uh, something of, of that nature. So you look at Gonzaga and they're about five to one. You, you can get six to one in some places, but they're about five to one to win the championship. There's not really even a payoff. So you have Gonzaga, who I think is going to be very good. Mark Few's very good, but they did lose a assistant that was underneath them for 20 years. They do rebuild very well. 
Um, I, I just always believe, and I've said this a, a n number of times, I, I just did a, a bunch of Tom Barton YouTube stuff, and, and I said multiple times, guys, um, I think it's hard to climb the mountain twice. In any sport, at any time, Gonzaga's consistently climbing that mountain, consistently getting back there, consistently going. I, I think that's a little tough. Then you go down the list and you go, okay, who else outside of the big five conferences can make some noise? Well, Memphis is still sitting there at 18-1. to 1. Many consider Memphis to maybe be the most talented team in the country. They have a tremendous coach. They brought in new talent. Okay, well, they're outside the top 25. I think Memphis is going to have a really good year. What about Houston? Remember the run that Houston made last year? They're 30-1 to 1 to win it. They're 30-1. They're to 1. They're ahead of teams like Oregon, Michigan State, and Virginia. Uh, look at what happened in Virginia on opening night. But look look at where Houston is. They're outside the Big Five. They're a team that can absolutely make noise. St. Bonaventure is a team that I've been talking about. They're 66-1 to 1 odds. St. Bonaventure is a team that go, people go, what are you talking about? Oh, St. Bonnie's, come on. You're just trying to force something. Wait a minute. St. Bonnie's is ahead of LSU. St. Bonnie's is ahead of Oklahoma, Florida, Indiana, Oklahoma State, Wisconsin. They're ahead of them. When you're talking about odds, they're right there with the Yukons of the world, who I think finishes second in the Big East, right there with West Virginia's of the world, and we know what Huggins can do. The Auburns of the world, where many people believe in the SEC, they're going to be a contender. So, yeah, we have a couple of teams outside of the Big Five. And don't forget about, obviously, you know, the Mountain West will have, uh, you got a shot at San Diego State at like 80 to 1. Um, I, I believe that Wichita State is 80 to 1. They're outside. So you have some teams here outside of the top 25 that I think have a, a real claim to say, okay, we can be involved. But let's look at the Power Five conferences. And in college basketball, it's Power Six because you have the Big East. So let's start it off with that conference. Look, in the Big East, I do believe that UConn will be a player. I think St. John's can be a player this year. Uh, but it's all about Villanova, and Villanova is a team that I expect to be in the Final Four. Absolutely. I expect them to probably win the championship at this point. When they got G Gillespie and Samuels, remember, Gillespie got hurt last year. He was Villanova's best player, and Gillespie and Samuels decided, we're both coming back. We're going to use that extra year of eligibility. We're both coming back for this Jay Wright club. All of a sudden, it just vaunted them into, yeah, they should be the favorites here. They should be the favorites to win the championship. Uh, that's where Villanova is in my mind. They are, uh, with a bullet, a contender, a massive contender at that. Villanova should win the Big East. Villanova should be a Final Four team. If you want to take Villanova at the 12-1 to 1 odds to win the championship, yeah, I'm right there with you. Let's go to the Pac-12. Pac-12, everyone's talking about UCLA and then everyone else. Yeah, I don't really believe that. To me, UCLA is good, but Oregon is right there. Are we really going to continue to doubt Dana Altman? Now, I know UCLA is, UCLA is good, and they got the one-two punch, and Johnny's fantastic, and he might be player of the year, but they went on a magical run last year. And I, I look, I look at Ken Palm a lot, and I think he does, you know, that site does a, a tremendous job. And Ken Palm had them at 45. 45. So they were the 45th best team in the country last year, uh, but they got real hot right at the right time. I don't know if that getting real hot is going to sustain them throughout the course of this season. So, do I have UCLA winning the championship? No, I don't. Do I have UCLA going to the Final Four? I don't. Do I have UCLA winning the Pac-12? Guys, I don't. I have Oregon winning the Pac-12 at a pretty decent number back. You could get plus uh, about 3-1 to one back on Oregon, which is not a bad number. So 
I'm a little bit down on the Pac-12 as a whole, uh, but it's not that I'm anti-UCLA here. Just thinking that the entire Pac-12 got real hot right at the right moment last year. USC had a nice run. These teams had nice runs, and people are overvaluing what that hot streak was. And I don't want to call it fluky, but I'll call it fluky. It was a little fluky, so I'm not putting way too much into what they did. All right, let's go to the SEC. Oh, the SEC is a conference that you turn around and you go, wow, you know, this is this is loaded. This, it, you go all the way down to the Oklahomas. You go down, I'm sorry, you go down in the SEC to the uh, uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, there you go. I think I'm still talking about Oklahoma because I put him in uh, the the uh, argument over there. But you go down to the Floridas and the LSUs, who I told you, you know, they're up there in the odds count. I think both Florida and LSU are going to have down years. But after that, that's where the line is drawn. Because Auburn is one of the biggest and most athletic teams in the conference. Um, they could be one of the biggest most athletic teams in the country. They could be a stellar defensive team. As well, they got a seven foot one guy in the middle in Kessler. Uh, Jabari Smith comes over. He's a freshman. This guy is probably going to the NBA. Auburn has all of the things that I like. They have defense. They're going to be very big underneath. They have uh, the explosion factor if Jabari Smith lives up to what he is. Auburn has a chance to go to a Final Four. Arkansas has a chance to go to a Final Four. They're really fast. You expect them to score a lot. They averaged over 72 points a game uh, last year. Made a lot of people money. They were 63% against the spread. And they should be better. They had a lot of freshmen on their team. They also had the best six man. Arkansas has a chance to potentially go to a Final Four. Alabama. Look, there's no replacing Herbert Jones. And they're not going 16-2 and again. But Oates has a good team. There's going to be a good defense. Um, they finish 11th in tempo for those that like the overs. Alabama has a legitimate shot at a potential national title. Yeah, they do. Kentucky. Kentucky was one of the worst teams against the spread last year. If you bet Kentucky 30% against the spread, well, they got seven new players. But this is the oldest team Coach Cal has ever had. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a one and done, but it's a one and done with a lot of new team, a lot of new pieces on this team that are transfers. I think Kentucky has a good shot at a Final Four. And then the team that I like out of this conference is the Tennessee Vols. I think Tennessee has a chance to win it all. I think Tennessee has a chance at a Final Four. Remember the hype 365 days ago of how good Tennessee was going to be. The Vols now bring bring back four upperclassmen. They have high-quality transfer in Justin Powell. Uh, this is a team that last year, if I told you they were going uh, deep and they were going to be into the Final Four, you would have had no worries about it. Well, all those guys just grew up. I know they had a disappointing season, but it was a weird year. So the SEC is stacked. What about the Big Ten? You want to talk about stacked? I think this is the best conference in America. Uh, going all the way down. I expect Rutgers and Wisconsin uh, uh, and maybe Michigan State to battle for that like eighth spot. A and they're really good. Look, I like what Rutgers did. Baker and Harper, fantastic. Michigan State, you just expect them to be better. They didn't look good on opening night. I think that they're going to have a little bit of a down year. I think Rutgers is better than them. Maryland is a team I think will be right there. They're going to be, you know, they have their big four. They have good coaching. And I think that they're going to rack up a bunch of wins when nobody's looking. And then you got, the, the to me, the big five teams in this conference. You got Indiana. Um, I expect good things, but it is still, you know, a little early to ask huge things from Indiana. Ohio State is a team that I like um, to an extent. 
I don't like them as, you know, the one, two, three, even four team. I think they have a down year. I wouldn't be surprised if Rutgers had a better year than them. Now, I'm not putting a lot on what they did against Oral Roberts. No, but they got a new point guard. They have two new point guards. Uh, questions in the backcourt. That's a little concerning. Now, Illinois is a team I can be very high on or I can be down on. Now, last year before the year, I told everybody I'm taking a shot on them to win the national championship. They cashed for me all year long. 63% against the spread, one of the best in the country. Now, Iowa is gone, but they do have a better bench. A lot is about Coburn because Coburn comes back. He's going to be the man in the middle. He's going to be the big player. He is their best player, one of the best players in the country. But he wanted to go to the NBA, and then he withdrew his name. And then he wanted to go to the portal, and then he came back. What, where is his head? It, does he really want this? You know, where is his head? So it, Illinois could be in the mix. But I think that this is a two-team race. This is a two-team race where all of those teams that I just mentioned, hey, look, if they get hot at the right time, we could see them in the Final Four. I think they're all very good. I, I think you could see teams like Rutgers, Ohio State, maybe pushing an Elite Eight bid. I mean, they're, they're very good and very deep. But it's really between the two. Michigan is the prevailing favorite. 19-9 against the spread, one of the best in the country last year. Jawan Howard has the number one recruiting class. They have a big-time transfer in Devontae Jones. And then Dickinson is just fantastic. 7-1-255 in the middle. Uh, All-American, all-Big Ten, all-Big Ten freshman of the year. He's only going to grow up. He's probably the most dominant player in college basketball outside of Drew Timmy. Uh, he's an NBA guy. And you got, you know, Eli Brooks on that team. Michigan's going to be real good but I have Purdue knocking them off. I know it's crazy. Look, I don't only have Purdue knocking them off. I have Purdue going to a Final Four, and I sprinkled some on Purdue maybe winning the championship here because they had a bad go of it because freshmen have a bad time, right? Duke had it. Kentucky had it. UNC had it. If you have a one and done, it was a bad year for you. But no, no, no. Purdue was able to be okay. Now they return all of those teams, all of those players, all of those guys as freshmen now grew up. Jaden Ivey is absolutely fantastic. He's my breakout uh, candidate of the year here. Averaged 14 points over the last couple of games. But you know what? He then boosted that up to 19 against the Buckeyes in the Big Ten tournament and 26 against uh, North Texas. So you, and that's in the tournament game, you look at what he can be. I like Purdue. I think Purdue can come out of this. I think Purdue and Michigan, uh, both of them, Purdue and Michigan, both have an opportunity here to be sitting there in the Final Four. All right, let's go to the Big 12. Big 12 is another one where you have the Kansas States, the Iowa States, uh, you know, TCU all going down. And then there's the line. And the, the line is right after them because Oklahoma, who I mentioned before, has Porter Moser coming in. I don't know what Oklahoma is going to be because, they look, they, they are – Transfer portal. They did get Jordan Goldwire from Duke. So they have some things here, but there's a lot of questions. I just won't bet against Porter Moser making the tournament. Oklahoma State, they bring back 81% of its returning minutes. You cannot count them out. I know Kate Cunningham is gone, so people are going to be down on them, but that's a team to watch over the course of the year. West Virginia, Bobby Huggins, we know what he's going to do. He's going to play that weird, crazy defense, and we, we, we understand that, right? He's got Sherman. He's got McNeil. He's going to have big, uh, good guards, and that's what he's got again. I just think they're more of a middle-of-the-road team. Uh, they'll make the tournament, but I don't see them going you know, deep into it. Texas Tech, look, Mark Adams is unproven, um, but he's considered that defensive guy. I expect a lot of low-scoring games here. Texas Tech is not going to fall off the map because they lost Chris Beard as much as people believe, but I don't think that they're an actual contender. So to me, there's three contenders, right? You have Texas with Coach Beard coming back. He's going to have a huge team here, big-time transfers in Carr and Allen. 
Uh, you look at what Beard does. He's averaged nearly 24 wins per season. He's got two regular season championships. He's owned uh, Big 12 Coach of the Year honors twice. Uh, you know, he took Texas Tech, and now he's got, look, he's got a veteran team, a lot of new moving parts, but Texas is a team. If you told me now that Texas is cutting down the nets, I, I, I go, yeah, I can see it. I think they're more of a, an Elite Eight team than they are a Final Four team to me just because it is new there, and I, I don't like new when I'm putting my money on something to win long term. Baylor, look, I got nothing bad to say about Baylor. I mean, look, they returned Flago, they returned Mayer, but it, and they were the best three-point shooting team in the country, one of the best offensive teams in the country. Here's the thing, though. Uh, it was the best year in the history of the school. Like I said with Gonzaga, it's hard to climb that mountain again. And I just think it's just too difficult to climb that mountain again, especially for a team like Baylor that's not used to being there. And then we get to Kansas. Not only do I have Kansas sitting here at, at winning the Big 12, I also have Kansas sitting there and going to a Final Four. Now, I jumped on odds early on, if you guys pay attention to me on Twitter, I jumped on odds at 18-1 to 1 odds for Kansas. Now, it's gone down to 14-1. to 1. I've seen it as low as 12-1 as to 1 after the open night, opening night game, and I pulled off there, right? I, I don't love them there. I'm not saying that they necessarily can't win the championship, but I love the value. I do see them getting to a Final Four, though. Kansas has won at least a share of the Big 12 Conference Championship 15 times uh, with Bill Self from 2004 to 2019. They dominated, right? They had 14 straight regular season championships. It was money in the bank. Now they turn around. They get Remy Martin in there, who to me is the biggest transfer coming over from Arizona State. He averaged 19 points a game, four assists a game. And they had four, the other four guys on the floor. Oh, they're returning starters in Braun and McCormick and Wilson. This team is absolutely stacked. I got them going to the final four. Finally, we have the ACC, which is traditionally the best conference in America. I just don't think this year they are the best conference in America. The Coach K conversation must be had. We'll all sit back and have that big Coach K conversation because he is, look, he, he's Coach K, right? Um, you look at what this conference is going to be overall, and I think it can be very deep. You know, you're going to have nothing but the Coach K conversation, but I think it can be deep. First of all, let's start with Boston College, who as a new start, I already hit with them on opening night. On opening night, I had the under with them in Dartmouth, but that speaks to more of my Ivy Leagues. Uh, but they were, you know, they're a brand new team. That's something to pay attention to with their pace because they were 13-7 to to the over last year. I think they're going to be playing some under games. Uh, Georgia Tech, also 15-9 and to the over last year. That's something to pay attention to. I think Clemson's going to have a little bit of a down year. I don't see them getting back to the tournament. They have a bad bench. North Carolina State, they lost a lot from this team. Bad defense last year. I expect that again here. Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a team people are kind of trying to jump on top of. Look, you know, East Tennessee State teams were not very good on offense. Defense was an issue for Wake last year. The new coach, I think their defense is just going to be their undoing. So now you get into the teams I think that can make the tournament. Syracuse is definitely one. I love the shooting. I love Bayheim. I love Bayheim coming back. The defense is constantly a strength. It always has been. 47th in field goal percentage, 72nd in three-point defense last year. Rebounding um, is not something that they even care about. All of a sudden, they're big in the middle, though, now. So maybe rebounding. If rebounding comes around and the shooting stays where it is, this team could have a nice, another nice run. Uh, Miami's a team a lot of people want to put into the tournament. I think Larry Nagy might lose his job. They had a lot of injuries. Uh, they do have a lot of guys returning, but, you know, he, he doesn't treat his players good. Defense will be a problem. I'm I'm down on them. 
The Irish are an interesting team. A little lot roster turnover. There's not a lot there. They're good from three-point land. Their efficiency should be pretty good, but they were so bad on defense, I can't go near them. Hokies. Look, the Hokies had coach of the year. Uh, defense needs to be improved. I just don't think that they could do it again. They're not going to take people for surprise. I did all my videos, guys, and I did my preseason preview. Um, you know, in Vegas, and I said, Virginia's going to have a down year. Well, opening night, losing to Navy. Yeah, it's a down year. They cannot shoot. Huff and Hauser entered the NBA, and they just don't have that. It's a, he's a great coach. They're not going to go completely into the tank, but no, nah, I don't love him. How about Florida State? Yeah, Florida State's going to be big again. They got two seven-foot guys on their team. They got a 6'11 guy on their team. They're going to be big in the middle once again. And Leonard Hamilton, you know, at least 20 wins in 12 of the last 15 seasons. The line is set at 22 and a half wins for him. I am way over there. I like Florida State quite a bit here. Let's go to Louisville. Louisville loses quite a bit, but they had a weird year. Because of COVID, they didn't have a tournament. It, it, it was strange. Louisville is too hard to, to pick right here. Look, he's, he's, a, he's a good coach, and they finished 11th in steals a year ago, so they're going to get some turnovers. I don't think Louisville is actually a contender for the ACC or, or a Final Four. Now you get into UNC. UNC last year had problems, but they still had 18 wins. This is a team that cannot shoot. They had one of the worst perimeter shooting teams in the country last year, but they played every game close. They lost five games by five points or less. They're right there. I think they have a good season, a good year. I think they could win this ACC if everything clicks. I don't see them a Final Four team, but they could get to an Elite Eight. I think we're there with this team. And then you come to Coach K. Over-under set at 27.5. I think that's crazy. The fact that they are, last year they were 9-15 and 15 against the spread, which is, uh, wow, and 3-11 and 11 against the spread in the last 14. You lost money with them last year. But you go, well, they're coming back. They have Mark Williams. He's a 7-foot, uh, you know, 5-star recruit. They have Wendell Moore coming back. Okay, I get it. But they had... They were just terrible in field goal percentage last year. Terrible in three-point percentage last year. They had their issues that I don't see going away. Look, I think Duke is going to be very good. And Duke very well could win the ACC. And it could be a nice send-off with Coach K. But I don't see them cutting down the nets at the end. I don't even see them in the Final Four, guys. I think that Coach K will have a good team. This is not a championship team on paper. And a lot of people are going to overvalue them. I think they're going to destroy bankrolls like they did last year. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back a little bit more, and we're going to go into the NFL right after this, right here on Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you 20 bucks I can get to gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? All right, guys, what are the odds? I mentioned it, the Naismith. Uh, and Wooden Player of the Year award. Drew Timmy is leading the charge at six to one. Travion Williams is ten to one. Uh, you have Hunter Dickerson at eleven to one. Benchero's eleven to one. Uh, Johnny up there in UCLA twelve to one. Connor Gillespie's twelve to one. Max Abbas, who I love, is twelve to one. Eddie Liddell twelve to one. Holmgren is twelve to one. Coburn's fourteen to one. Scotty Pippen Jr. coming in at twenty to one. Jaden Ivey is twenty two to one. I mentioned him, and that is your NCAA Naismith. Player of the Year awards. I don't really see a lot of value here. Maybe Connor Gillespie. Uh, Hunter Dickinson's getting a lot of attention, a lot of money coming in on him at 11 to 1, but I think uh, Drew Timmy's stats are just going to be out of control. That is why he is the favorite. And that is what are the odds? I, I mean, that's what I'm looking at, guys. You know, I don't usually go in on player stuff uh, for college. I'll throw a little bit on maybe, maybe the Heisman here or there. And I, I don't even think I've done that in a little while. So, 
it's not something I'm I'm jumping on top of. All right, let's get into the NBA. We got a very interesting week this week. We'll start it off with Thursday night. The Ravens, look, they're minus about seven and a half now. It's gone over. It opened up at six and a half. It's gone over that touchdown. They're one and five against the spread as a favorite. So they're not doing well as a favorite. But look, this is the Miami Dolphins. We don't know if it's going to be two or Brissett. Probably will be Brissett. And Miami's just in a bad way. Even after a win last week, you know, their head coach came out and basically said, well, yeah, it's a win. A win is a win. I'll take a win. Because he knows it wasn't an impressive performance. The Ravens now rank second in the NFL in yards per game. They finally have a passing offense as well. Uh, Andrews and all of a sudden you have Bateman there, which is fantastic. And Hollywood's having a great year. Baltimore is a team that you look at and you go, they're number two in total offense. They can score. They can run on you. They can pass on you. But they do have one issue, and that is their secondary on the defense. You can't run on this team, but their secondary can be thrown on. The question is, can Tua slash Brissett, with Devontae Parker most likely being out, and Will Follostat still not on this team, can they take advantage of this secondary? It's going to have to be the, you know, Mike Gazeki show and Jane Waddle show. And if I'm there, I'm I'm going, you know what? I'll let Gazeki get every ball inside the 10 yard line. So put, you know, spy a middle linebacker on him and and take Waddle out of the game. I mean, that's what Baltimore's gonna do. So look, I look at this team and I go, I think that they're a good team. They tend to be in a spot where I don't love it. Look, Lamar Jackson, who couldn't win, could a guy can't come back. Record when trailing by 10 plus points uh, was 0 and 3. It's now 3 and 1. He's got four wins this year when he's trailing going into the fourth quarter. And by the way, Barry Jackson, uh, who writes uh, good stuff for the Dolphins, they have the worst offensive line. They are allowing 47 more pressures than the next worst team. That's unbelievable how bad it is. How bad. Uh, it, it's so bad that Robert Hunt, one of the offensive linemen for the Dolphins, had to address it. He said, We hear the noise. We want to be good. Yeah, but you're not. I think you have to take Baltimore here. I just don't love it going over the touchdown. All right, let's talk about Dallas, Atlanta. Can you just throw this tape in the garbage if you're Dallas? I mean, honestly, Dak Prescott was injured. uh, But is this a harbinger of things to come, or is this a one-day fluke? What about the Atlanta Falcons? Suddenly, they're a playoff contender. Falcons have won three of the last four, right? Remember last year was a 40-39 to shootout, right? Dallas was perfect against the spread before last week, and last week just— I'm saying that's a 30 or nothing win because I don't care about the last two two touchdowns, right? He was a that that was worst game of Dak's career. Is he still hurt? That's the question we have to have there. And, and you do look at a guy like Diggs, um, you know, rookie of the year. Or, oh, he's defensively. They went after him and they went after him all day. I wonder what Atlanta is going to do here because they don't really have a wide receiver to target to go after him. This is kind of the pitch show and the Cordell Patterson show. All right, New Orleans, Tennessee, lines about three in favor of Tennessee after that very impressive performance. But New Orleans got that good defense, right? The Saints, though, they are one and four against the spread as a favorite. Well, they're not the favorites here. Three and zero against the spread as an underdog. New Orleans won all those games outright. Tennessee seven and two on the season, but they're also seven and two against the spread. They are covering like eighty percent of the games, guys. I mean, this is fantastic. The Saints are four and one against the spread last five following a loss, so they come back really well. That tells of good coaching. This is a stay-away game for me. I think a lot of people are going to load up on Tennessee, and I start to see a lot of the money coming in. Um, Tennessee allows more points than they score, but look, they just went 4-0 against the Bills, Chiefs, Colts, and Rams. I mean, that's what they just did. I cannot bet against Tennessee in this spot. Tennessee is just explosive. 
they are in a position where they're playing the best football. I don't think they're the best team in the NFL, but they're playing the best football of any team in the NFL. And that matters. There is a difference there, guys. There is an absolute difference between being the best team and playing the best. They are playing the best right now. I can't go against them, but something tells me New Orleans is going to hang in there. Jacksonville got a win last week against Buffalo in the most weird, wild, crazy situation in game. Blew up everyone's survivor pool. They are now catching 10.5 points to Indianapolis, which tells us that the market doesn't believe in them at all. Nobody believes in Jacksonville. Um, the Colts, look, they have a top-five rushing attack with Jonathan Taylor, and they might just be able to just pound the ball all day. That's something that the Bills could not do. The Bills can't run. They don't run. They don't even try to run, and the Bills didn't try to run. Uh, you look at what the Bills are and who this Bills team is. They throw the ball all day, and you play that double double deep safety, and, and that confused them a little bit. Indianapolis doesn't have to worry about that. They're just going to pound the rock all day long. Jacksonville, though, wait a minute. They stop the run. They, they allow about 103 yards per game, which is actually pretty decent. Here's the thing, though. When you see a stat like that, I could roll all day long on that stat. Nobody's ever running on Jacksonville in positions that they don't know that they're going to run usually. Usually, why are you running on Jacksonville? Because you got a huge lead. It's late in the game. Everyone knows you're just winding the clock. So you could get stops. Instead of letting them get that four or five yards or a big burst, you stop on them for three, and they're okay with that because it wasted you know 30 seconds on the clock. That's something to think about. Talking about running, how about Cleveland, New England? Patriots are about a one-point favorite, uh, up to two in some spots. Look, I, you you look at the Browns, okay, and you look at what the Pats are. The, look, both of these teams right now have a legitimate shot at the playoffs. The Browns are coming off a huge win where they looked really good, but the Patriots have been doing it ugly for a little while. You know, the Pats are, are a team that you look at one of their situations and you go, okay, they're 4-0 on the road with a rookie quarterback. That speaks to coaching. I mean, that's coaching, right? And the Pats, look, they're hot, but they did lose to Dallas, did lose to New Orleans. Those are both teams with top 10 rushing attacks. Well, this team wants to run. Nick Chubb is in COVID protocol. We don't know what his situation is going to be. They do their backup is Hunt, but now all of a sudden Dearness Johnson looks great. What I know about Bill Belichick is he takes away your number one thing, right? He takes away that thing that you do best. And that's the run, running ball. I think he's going to make an injured, banged up Baker Mayfield beat him. Now, the Browns have held teams to 20 or less in three straight games. That defense is finally looking the same. And, and the Patriots are looking at it and they're going, not only are we looking at the playoffs, we're looking at a potential division here. Uh, I got this from CBS, and this is pretty good. If the Browns somehow beat the Patriots, right, it's going to mark the first road win for them against the Patriots since 1992. And you go, okay, well, they don't play well on the road. Well, who was the coach at the time? Bill Belichick. Very interesting. You know, I think it's it, to me it's Patriots are nothing just because um, of Chubb's situation, because of Mayfield being injured. Uh, but I do see a lot of money coming in on the Browns. Let's talk about those Buffalo Bills at the Jets. The line, 13 and a half. Now, it went up to 14 briefly and then came all the way back to 13. Now it's settling at 13 and a half. Look, the Jets are the worst team at the half in the NFL. Buffalo led in NFL straight at the half, the same exact kind of team. Um, if you're looking for a great bet, probably the halftime on the Bills. I know it's minus six, but that might not be bad. 
I'm throwing the Bills game in the garbage. I'm saying it was a fluky game. I'm tossing it away. I'm not making too much about it. I'm not making too much about, about Josh Allen. I hear people going, well, you know what? It, it's got the same kind of struggles as Patrick Mahomes. No, this team outgained the Jaguars, uh, but they just couldn't kind of be productive. You have games like that. Coming off of a bye week, some teams are great. Go ask Andy Reid. Some teams come off of bye weeks like John Harbaugh, and they come out fired up. Some teams come out like the Bills, and they go, yeah, you know what? We're coming off of a bye week. We had a nice little vacation. We saw our family. We were relaxed, got out of our rhythm, and you come out flat. And it's easy to come out flat when you're playing a Jacksonville team, right? It's easy to come out flat when you live in Buffalo. You go down to the nice weather in Florida off of a bye week, and you're playing a team you, you're you know, two touchdown favorites over. And that's exactly what happened. You know, you could also go back and say the Bills are 0-3 against the spread the last three games. I get it, but this is the Jets. They've had multiple injuries at quarterback. We don't really know who's going to play quarterback there. I don't think it matters. I'm not buying into this Mike White hike. Um, the Jets, look, they are still 2-6 and six against the spread on the season. They still are losing uh, by about, you know, 13.4 point differential. And the Bills, for all I just talked about about the offense, it's the defense I'm banking on. They have the number one scoring defense in the NFL. They have the number one scoring differential in the NFL. The Bears' defensive numbers are amazing. They're giving up 5.6 yards per pass attempt and 4.5 yards per play. That is fantastic. I believe that this Bills team can win this game strictly on defense. I don't think they're going to have to. They're going to they could win this game and cover this number strictly by shutting down the Jets. Okay, and just running into a couple of field goals and maybe a touchdown or so. But I do think that the offense will have a pretty good good game here. I, I I can't imagine that Josh Allen has two bad games in a row. And don't think he had a bad game against Tennessee. He had a great game. They just lost it on the one-yard line. All right, let's talk about Detroit and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh on Monday night got a lot of help from those refs. I mean, this is... It is, it's just a disgusting situation what's going on. But they got a lot of help from the refs. They are now closing in on nearly two... Uh, a, Double-digit favorites. It's about nine, nine and a half. Lions are coming off of a bye week. The Steelers are on a short week. That usually matters, but I don't know if it will here. Detroit allows almost three sacks per game. That's insane. They have also lost by an average of 10 points on the road. Lions don't play well. Steelers, here's the thing with this line. They have not won a game by more than eight points all year. Pittsburgh is averaging about 24 points a game. They have the lowest scoring offense of any team with a winning record. I don't know if I can lay nearly double digits. And I said this, guys, I said this on the show last week. I said this about the Bears game. I said it's not me being a homer. I thought that Steelers would win, but I think the Bears are going to keep it close. Because the Steelers have not won a game by more than eight all year. Not all year. And they're not a scoring offense. So, you know, you have Detroit coming off of a bye week. They've been playing really good for the, really tight uh, for Campbell. They're playing well for him. And you go and you take on an offense that can't score, and you're laying, you know, eight, nine, ten points. I, I think it's crazy. What you're asking is basically uh, the same thing that you're asking the Bears to do last week. And I don't think that the Lions are nearly as good as the Bears. No. But what you're asking is, okay. Let's say the Steelers put up 24, which is a, a fair estimate considering that's their average, right? Um, Steelers put up, well, they haven't scored more than that, really. I, I mean, really, uh, in one game this year. So they put up 24 points. You're saying, can, can the Lions get to 15, 16 points? Uh, right? I mean, can the Lions get there? That's what you're asking. I, I, I think that a lot of people are banging on the Steelers. This is a stay away game, but a lot of people are banging on the Steelers, man. 
just because it seems easy. Lions off of a bye week, catching these points. Something that I'm looking at with the Lions. All right, Tampa Bay, Washington. Line is nine and a half, going up to 10. People are jumping on Tampa Bay. And look, Tampa Bay is getting healthy. Tampa Bay is off of a bye week. Washington's off of a bye week. Tampa Bay is getting healthy. They're not going to have Antonio Brown back. I heard uh, reports that he's in a walking boot, actually, still. So he's not going to come back, but it looks like Gronk will suit up. The Tampa Bay secondary still going to be an issue, but it's getting a little bit healthier. Levante David comes back in his uh, middle linebacker spot, so that's going to be a help. But Washington's also getting healthy. Look, Antonio Gibson was banged up before time. Uh, They're only maybe a week away from Ryan Fitzpatrick jumping in there. And Washington is starting to be that team that you go, okay, what are you? You know, is there anything left in the tank here? Opposing quarterbacks, by the way, have 107.6 rating against Washington this season. That's the second highest mark in the league. This once vaunted or what was supposed to be a vaunted defense just absolutely terrible this year. There's, I mean, it, they're 29th in the NFL in defensive metrics. Tampa Bay is only 3-5 against the spread, though. And Tampa Bay is coming off of a game where, well, they're coming off of a week where they were off. And they are going to try to correct a lot of things. But now you have to go on the road and you do face a big pass rush. Chase Young is a massively talented player. And this entire defense is massively talented. They just haven't put it together yet. Tampa Bay's offensive line is going to be uh, massive in this one uh, when you're talking about covering. I think that Tampa Bay is a safe team to win this game. It makes a lot of sense that they're going to win this game. I think Brady's going to be fine. Brady doesn't get hurt by those two deep covers because Brady is the, uh, I don't mind checking it down and checking it down all day. But I do question in this game what Washington will be because You can't run the ball. And I think that's good for Washington. You're not running the ball against uh, David and White, right? But I think that's good for Washington. Washington got away from their quick hitter. McKissick and Gibson both in the backfield confused them. Logan Thomas, they got away from that. If they come back to that, they could have some success because Tampa Bay's secondary is a secondary that you could kind of get them in a position where, okay, everything's dinking and dunking, boom, and then you go over the top. Again, I don't know if Heineke can do it. I love the fact that Tampa Bay had a week to get healthy here. I'm just not completely ruling out Washington, and I'm kind of trying to give you guys ideas. I would never take Washington, not in this spot. Um, but usually when I say I would never take anybody, you know, the whole world loads up on the other side, and, and then we get a cover. I would never take Washington, but I don't feel comfortable laying Tampa. <clears throat> if this was, you know, a, a playoff game down the road with the defensive intensity, there's no way you're taking Tampa This is just a regular game, and I wonder if there's a chance that Fitzpatrick comes back here. They're being very coy about what he is, and I think that, look, I think the future is bright with Fitzpatrick. Once he comes back, we're going to have a lot of value on betting Washington because I think he's massively better than Tyler Heineke, but he's not going to be back probably for this game. So for this game, you know what? I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, yeah, looks like Tampa Bay, probably the win, probably the cover. But you know what? Ryan Fitzpatrick coming back. That's into the future. Let's go now. Bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to the future. Okay, guys, let's go bet to the future in one of the craziest divisions in the NFL. We're talking about the AFC North. Let's take a look here. The Baltimore Ravens are about minus 175 to win here. Cleveland Browns, you can still get them at plus 450 
Some people think there's value in the Pittsburgh Steelers at plus 550, and the Bengals are now plus 700 to win this division. I will tell you how things change in the AFC North week by week. The Bengals were everyone's darlings. Now they're all the way buried. That is bet to the future. All right, guys, look, let's continue it on. We're going to the late games now, and the late games start off with Arizona, Carolina Panthers. Not a lot I can say about this game. Look, it's a 10-point spread. We don't know if Kyler Murray's going to play. I tend to think he will. We don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is going to play. I tend to think he won't. Arizona looked great with backups, and I mentioned that Colt McCoy, in my opinion, Colt McCoy is not quite a top 15 quarterback in the league. And look, he's a backup, right? I mean, you really break this down. And I had this conversation, a pretty in-depth conversation. I always, I don't do halves. I break down quarterbacks in the NFL and the quarterbacking in the NFL as three portions. I say, you're either one of the top 10 best, which means you have a chance to win the Super Bowl with this guy at the helm. Top 10. There's about 10 guys there. And you have the bottom 10. Bottom 10 are either rookies, guys you're not sure about, guys that maybe probably shouldn't be starting quarterbacks in the league. And then you got the 10 in the middle. I think pretty convincingly here, guys, that Colt McCoy, all right, he's not one of the top 10. I I would never make that argument. I don't think he's one of the bottom 10, which means I think he's in the middle. I think he's a guy that you look at and you go, he's right in the middle. You know, when you're talking about quarterbacks, look, he's not Josh Allen. Okay, but is he better than what the Jets have going on? Yes, he is. Is he better than what the Dolphins have going on? Yes, he is. Right? I mean, is he better right now uh, than what Houston has going on? Without a doubt. So you start to get there. Is he better than what Taylor Heineke in Washington? Yeah, he is. Right? Is he better than Jared Goff? I think he is. You know, is he better than P.J. Walker and Sam Darnold? Yeah. So that's six teams right there. Now you start to ask those questions about Colt McCoy being the backup. Is he better then, right? And that there's already six teams. Is he better than what New Orleans has in Trevor Simeon and, and whatnot? Yes. So he's better than seven teams quarterback right now. Is he better than right now the incarnation of Daniel Jones? I think he is. Is he better than Jalen Hurts? I think he is. Is he better than Teddy Bridgewater? I think he is. Is he better right now? Right now, just just today, is he better right now than a Trevor Lawrence or a Fields? He, he might be. A Garoppolo. Maybe at this stage, Ben Roethlisberger. So you're starting to get into that realm. I think you, we could confidently say he's better than six or seven quarterbacks in the league. I have him better than about 10 or 11, which means he's in that middle portion. Wasn't surprised that the Cardinals won last week. Now they get Carolina. Talk about Carolina. You want to talk about quarterbacks? P.J. Walker, it's your time. Now, I think he gives them a little bit more explosiveness, but I also think they're going to call the playback book back a little bit here. Um, Darnold was destroying this team, and this team was built on defense and running game, and then Darnold was just giving the ball over. I don't care if Murray or McCoy win the, uh, play this game. They're not... Panthers aren't winning the game. I can't imagine they would win the game with Walker on the road in this spot. But covering the double digits with an unknown quarterback that has a lot of, um, he's got a lot of excitement factor to him. He's got a lot of prowess where you could run around. The Cardinals are 6-2 and two against the spread. The Panthers are 1-5 the last six. So they're going in a bad way. I don't feel comfortable laying double digits with a potential backup quarterback. As good as I think Colt McCoy is, you look at him and you go, okay, now there's, now there's, this year's tape on him. Now they could study what he is. This is a good defense. I think that this is a good coach still. 
that's something that you know you look at. Everyone's going to load up on the Cardinals. I, I, I just I don't feel great about it. Let's talk about Minnesota and the Chargers. Chargers are a three-point favorite at home in a weird situation for Minnesota because they had a great defensive game even though they lost Hunter and they lost Smith for a little while. And then the defense completely fell apart. Do you believe in Minnesota's defense early? That frustrated Lamar Jackson, frustrated the Ravens, were in full control of this team? Or, you know what, did the injuries catch up to them? And will they continue to catch up? That's something to worry about here. The Chargers, I picked them last week as my game of the week. And they covered and they won. But man, I had no fingernails left after that. They should have destroyed this Eagles team and they didn't. And I wonder why. And I watched that game and they're just out of sync in some spots. It's not Herbert. They didn't go to Eckler early. Uh, Their offense was missing some pieces. Their defense weirdly just was abused. And you want to talk about abuse. This team cannot stop the run. They have the worst rushing defense in the NFL. They're giving up 162 yards per game. That is nuts. The next closest is giving up 140 guys. They're giving up 22 yards per game more on the ground. You can run all day on them. Hello, Dalvin Cook. Okay? I mean, this is a Dalvin Cook game through and through. The Vikings, they've lost five one-score games this season. That tells me two things. Number one, hey, they could be a lot better than we give them credit for because you flip a couple of those games, one-score games, one bounce here, one bad play there, and we could be talking about the Vikings as one of the best teams in the NFL. But it also tells me that in a close game, in tight games, they just don't seem to have it at the end to win. And that's a problem. Right, And you look at the Vikings, they're 4-11 against the spread the last 15 games. People don't know how to make them you know, sit back and cover. L.A., 9-3 and against the spread the last 12 games. They're looking good. Now, the Chargers are averaging about 6 yards per play, while the Vikings sit at about 5.8, so the offenses are pretty close. The Vikings are a team where if you're going to take them, you have to overlook the fact that they're going to be missing their best defensive player. You have to overlook the fact that last week they fell apart completely in the second half. You have to overlook the fact that they don't win close games. But on the side of the Vikings is you can run the ball all day long. If you're in a DFS or you want some prop plays, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, and more Dalvin Cook all day long. If you're the Chargers, you have to go, look, we know that Herbert's going to be okay. We know Eckler's going to have a good game. Allen's going to be fine. Um, we are going to be okay. But okay is all we got from this team recently. And defensively, we're going to be gashed on the ground. Can we make this a game that, you know what, they run it all day, they control the clock, but we're efficient on offense. And that puts pressure on a guy like Justin Herbert to be that efficient on offense because you know that you're not going to get the ball a lot. Personally, for me, I'm looking at an under type of game here just because I think that Minnesota is smart enough to just run the ball all day. Let's talk about Eagles, Broncos. Broncos are a three-point favorite. Broncos came out of nowhere. I I don't know. Nobody saw that happening against Denver, uh, against Dallas. Even though I made the case for Denver last week, I'm not going to sit back and say I saw that happening. No way. What we know about Denver is this. Their defense was banged up, right? They lost Chubb. They traded Miller, uh, missing uh, two other players on their defense. Their defense was banged up. But their offense has so many weapons. We watched Jerry Judy last week just explode late. Judy and and, uh, Patrick. And you look at uh, Cortland Sutton and Williams and Gordon and Fant when he comes back. And Albert, oh, 
This team is stacked offensively. It's just when Teddy Bridgewater plays well, this team dominates. When Teddy Bridgewater doesn't play well, he you know that's it. He can't find those weapons. Over the last 11 road games, Philly's 3-8 and eight against the spread. You want to talk about Philly? Let's talk about Philly. I'm shocked that they even hung in the game. I called them garbage on the air last week, and that's what I think this team is. I think this is a, a team that should be thinking about firing their head coach. I think that Jalen Hurts is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't believe that Boston Scott is a starting running back in the NFL. And by the way, neither did Philly. That's why they went out, grabbed Jawan How- Howard and, and Jordan Howard and said, yeah, Jordan Howard, you're now the starting running back because they didn't believe in him either. Now, they have some weapons. Deontay Smith is going to be better than Devontae. Look, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. He's going to be better than we've seen so far. But without Rager, um, you count on who's that number two guy. And the number two guy in the offense is Dallas Goddard. That means that the running game is not the number two uh, you know, thing that you almost want the running back to be the number one. No, you can't really count on the running game. Can't count on the running back. You can't count on a secondary receiver. I don't even know if you can count on Smith right now. Goddard is kind of the security blanket. I think Denver outmatches them in a lot of areas, but the defensive problems on Denver that I, I know will show up, you can contain it for a week or so. I know they're going to show up, and those holes are going to be exploited. That worries me about this game. Let's talk about Seattle and Green Bay and act like we know. <clears throat> because right now, you know, we could be sitting back and watching Jordan Love against Geno Smith or Aaron Rodgers against Russell Wilson. I think we can see Aaron Rodgers against Russell Wilson. I mean, I think that. The Seahawks are coming off of a bye week, right? And um, you you think the conversation this week is how rusty Aaron Rodgers is going to be. Well, he missed a week. You know, he's got COVID. He's going to be rusty. He's not going to look good. He's going to be rusty. Well, Russell Wilson has been playing a lot of football as far as I'm concerned, right? I mean, I think that Russell Wilson could come out rusty as well. And Seattle, they lost their last nine games at Lambeau Field. They don't do well there. Uh, Green Bay is 8-0 against the spread. The last eight contests in this spot. Rodgers is a guy that you look at, and he plays really, really well when he's got a chip on his shoulder. Remember this moron yelling at the Bears fans, right? He plays really well when he's got a chip on his shoulder. And I think that this is one of those chip-on-your-shoulder games. But in this offense, while we look at Rodgers and Adams and, you know, all the things, oh, you know, Marcus Scanling is coming back this week and Lazard should be healthy and, oh, here we go, Green Bay's finally getting healthy. You look at a team like Green Bay and you look at this spot with Aaron Rodgers and I go, you know who's the component? A.J. Dillon. I've been riding A.J. Dillon in prop plays for a couple of weeks now. This guy, when I watched him in college, I said he was the best college running back that I've ever seen live. I, you know, I went to a couple of his games, and he really was. Went to Green Bay, and I said, ah, I can't get a jersey now. I, I liked him that much. He is everything that is advertised, and he's proving it, which gives them a one-two punch because Jones is still really good. So we want to see Aaron Rodgers flinging the ball all over the field and go downfield and go deep and find Adam. Ah, but wait a minute. I think the Jones-Dillon combination is just as important. And that Jones-Dillon combination is something that Seattle's secondary is bad. I mean, look, they're just flat-out bad. But in order for them to be exposed, you also need the linebackers and the safety to come up and have to help out on the run. And I think that's exactly the game plan here. I think that we're going to see a first half with a lot of running, make sure that they feel it, and then you're going to see Rodgers go deep and go over the top. In Seattle, well, let's talk about the Seattle offense against this Green Bay defense because you're talking about a Green Bay defense that is ranked top 10 in defense, but they can be beat deep. They haven't played any teams, really, uh, that can beat them deep. And don't tell me Kansas City, okay, because KC's broken. 
<laughs> okay? Casey's broken. So they haven't really done that. Well, Wilson can. Wilson with Lockett and Metcalf, that is a combination that should put the fear in everybody, especially Green Bay. And you're starting to look back and you're going, all right, Russell Wilson's coming back. He knows his team's behind the eight ball. This is almost that must-win type of game for Seattle. Because as Yogi Berry would say, it's getting late early. And it's getting late early for this team. So, you know, I'm looking at them and I'm going, they're getting like five, six points. Everyone's on the Packers. It makes sense that the Packers and Lambeau would win and they would win big against Russell Wilson, who's barely coming back. But the energy Wilson will give and what they're doing, that could be the difference here. All right, let's talk about the big Sunday night matchup. Chiefs-Vegas. Chiefs are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I just said it. The Chiefs are broken. Yeah, they are. Okay? This is a Chiefs team that last week everybody was talking about Jordan Love. Mahomes still didn't look good. He His regression is just out there for everybody to see. Now, the Chiefs have won two games in a row, and that's on Andy Reid and the coaching. The Chiefs are better than the Raiders. They're a better team. They've won 11 of the last 13 games. But this was the old Chiefs. The Chiefs are now 2-7 and seven against the spread this season. That's the second worst in the NFL. Vegas 5-1 and one against the spread in the last six games as an underdog. They cover well. They're at home. I'm not making too much of that Giants game because what I saw in the second half is what I should have seen the entire game, and that's go to Darren Waller. Waller was a big part of this team. I'm looking at the Chiefs, and I'm saying, how broken are you, Kansas City? How broken is this Chiefs team really? And that is a question that I don't know even if that they can answer. Patrick Mahomes can't get deep downfield, and he can, continues to look that way. Another game where there was multiple uh, multiple times, I saw four per- perfect times where he could have gone to Kelsey, yeah, he's a big target, or a McKinnon, and he decided to try to go deep. He wants to go deep. He's still a guy that bragged to everybody that he can't read defenses. He told everybody, yeah, I don't know how to read defenses, and we laughed it off because he's so talented, but now teams are going, all right, well, we're taking away the deep ball. You better run on us or take that short stuff. The stuff that Tom Brady has made a career on, you have to take it. Stop getting falling in love with your arm. I don't know if Patrick Mahomes can do that. And now you go up against the Raiders, who have a really good one-two punch uh, coming after you. That place is going to be loud. It's going to be maniac mode. And you know that Crosby's going to be living in his face. Can Patrick Mahomes, with pressure in his face, with teams designed to specifically take away the deep ball, can Patrick Mahomes play within himself, coach himself up, and just take the short path? That, that you know, Just take it. Take those dump-offs, because if he does that, he's going to win another game. His stats won't be nice, things will be ugly, but he'll get three wins in a row, and he'll take advantage of a division that can still be won. If he decides to still be Patrick Mahomes, the Raiders are winning this game. That's what can happen. And by the way, from a, a betting standpoint, you know, Kansas City closed, you know, at 10. Vegas closed at three against the, you know, in, in that game against the Giants. Last year in this matchup, the... Chiefs were minus 11 and minus 8. You know, now all of a sudden, this is below a field goal. I, I, I mean, this is this is a weird spot. All right. Monday Night Football, Rams, Niners. San Francisco has a minus 9 turnover ratio on the Rams. Look, we know what the Rams are. It's not what we watched them against Tennessee. I don't know what was wrong with them, but they didn't look good. But I also told you that the Rams are very inflated. They're inflated because they've been beating up on garbage teams. When they play good teams, well, what happens? You know, you look at San Francisco as a minus nine turnover ratio. I say that. So Rams have been taking care of the ball this year, but they weren't taking care of the ball the other night. And the penalties were out of control. It was the most penalties they've ever had, ever. 
So the Rams beat up on bad teams. They should be, you know, favored here. But is San Francisco a bad team? That's really kind of the question. Look, the Rams bounce back. That's one of the things that you got to give McVay credit for. He said, we're going to fix the uh, penalty issues. I sort of believe him. They have a 13-3-1 against the spread of the last 17 games, following a double-digit loss, so they don't get blown out. And th- th- this is the spot. The Niners, by the way, they're 0-4 against the spread at home the last four. And McGinchy is out. McGlinchey is out. He tore his quad. He's the right tackle. That's a problem. San Francisco looked better last week than I think people give them credit for because they were able to use Kittle um, and use Kittle effectively. If IU comes back, who caught a touchdown last week? You have some offensive weapons on this team. Elijah Mitchell being healthy, IU coming back, George Kittle, uh, you know, being all everything. And, and you, you still got Debo. This team has weapons on offense, but banged up offensive line going up against this Rams team is a worry for me. I think the Rams should be favored here. And I think the Rams will win the game. They are better coached. They do have the advantage there. But there's something that's telling me that the Rams might be a product of their schedule. I mean, look, over just the course of the last five minutes, I've said, we know what the Rams are. We know who the Rams are. Yeah, we do. But that can change pretty quickly. With a loss here, I think we start to see that the Rams did beat up on nothing but bad teams. I think we start to... Sit back and go, yeah, the Rams are a team that, I don't know. I don't know how good they are. Stafford looked lost last week. I don't expect that again. This offense is very good, but the offensive line is susceptible to some pass rush. You look at their defense. Aaron Donald is fantastic. Their linebackers are a little bit weak. Now they try to shore it up with Von Miller. Von Miller is not what he once was. Does he give them the boost that they need? And even though you can't go after Jalen Ramsey, you know, you can go after other pieces of this team. Remember, they lost Johnson in the offseason. So uh, the Rams want to, you know, stop the run and and they want to play that tight defense in the middle. I think San Francisco wants to run and, okay, here we go. Rams will be psyched. Rams will be happy with that. In order to win this game, San Francisco has to open it up. But they finally have their pieces healthy to do so. Like I said, Covering Kittle, covering Ayuk, covering Debo, and covering Elijah Mitchell, you know, in the same breath, just is a lot for a team. And I think that that's how San Francisco can win. They're a home team catching points in division on Monday night. Historically, that is a bet on San Fran situation. Just don't know if we could do it in this spot because the Rams are coming off of that loss. If the Rams would have won, I would have been all over San Fran. But because the Rams lost, and in the manner they lost, and when they lost, and who they lost to, I'm just in a position where I go, ah, you know what? I I think it's better to kind of watch this game than make a bet on it. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.